for a single soul. Reaching a further and stepping in closer. Welcome to another living life. Uh, there's this famous principle by Isaac Newton which states that what goes up must come down. Uh, it's true for objects that you throw in the air, but it's also true for treacherous monarchs that we see in the Bible. You know, until now, we've seen the rise of Abimelech uh, as he becomes king of Israel, as he kills all his uh, people who are against him, his rivals, and he gains all this power. Uh, we see only the rise. But now, in today's passage, we kind of see the small cracks of his plans uh, starting to form. And not everything is going according to his plan. Like we said, what, must, what goes up must come down. So right now, join me in reading today's passage as we see just the beginnings of the fall of Abimelech. Judges chapter 9, verses 26 through 45. Now Gael, son of Ebed, moved with his clan into Shechem, and its citizens put their confidence in him. After they had gone out into the fields and gathered the grapes and trodden them, they held a festival in the temple of their god. While they were eating and drinking, they cursed Abimelech. Then Gael, son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech, and why should we Shechemites be subject to him? Isn't he Jerubbaal's son, and isn't Zabul his deputy? Serve the family of Hamor, Shechem's father. Why should we serve Abimelech? If only this people were under my command, then I would get rid of him. I would say to Abimelech, call out your whole army. When Zabul, the governor of the city, heard what Gael, son of Ebed, said, he was very angry. Undercover, he sent messengers to Abimelech, saying, Gael, son of Ebed, and his clan have come to Shechem and are stirring up the city against you. Now then, during the night, you and your men should come and lie in wait in the fields. In the morning, at sunrise, advance against the city. When Gael and his men come out against you, seize the opportunity to attack them. So Abimelech and all his troops set out by night and took up concealed positions near Shechem in four companies. Now Gael, son of Ebed, had gone out and was standing at the entrance of the city gate just as Abimelech and his troops came out from their hiding place. When Gael saw them, he said to Zebul, Look, people are coming down from the tops of the mountains. Zebul replied, You mistake the shadows of the mountains for men. But Gael spoke up again, Look, people are coming down from the central hill, and a company is coming from the direction of the diviner's tree. Then Zebul said to him, Where is your big talk now? You who said, Who is Abimelech, that we should be subject to him? Aren't these the men you ridiculed? Go out and fight them. So Gael led out the citizens of Shechem and fought Abimelech. Abimelech chased him all the way to the entrance of the gate, and many were killed as they fled. Then Abimelech stayed in Arumah, and Zebul drove Gael and his clan out of Shechem. The next day, the people of Shechem went out to the fields, and this was reported to Abimelech. So he took his men, divided them into three companies, and set an ambush in the fields. 
When he saw the people coming out of the city, he rose to attack them. Abimelech and the companies with him rushed forward to a position at the entrance of the city gate. Then two companies attacked those in the fields and struck them down. All that day, Abimelech pressed his attack against the city until he had captured it and killed its people. Then he destroyed the city and scattered salt over it. We're introduced to a new figure in today's passage. Uh, we meet a man named Gaul, son of Ebed, uh, who was native to Shechem, just like Abimelech was on his mother's side. Interestingly, the same tactic that Abimelech used to gain power, uh, to align himself, and to present himself as a true Shechemite, oh, that's the same thing that Gaul does uh, to curry favor against Abimelech. Uh, he presents himself as a more true Shechemite, and therefore convinces his people to try to overthrow Abimelech. Uh, there's another saying, right? You live by the sword, you die by the sword. Uh, maybe you could say you live by political maneuvering, you die by the same political maneuvering. Uh, it's not as catchy, but it's true in today's passage. It's actually great parallelism that we see in Scripture. I just love these little details that Scripture shows us. It's amazing how God's plans come around like this. And throughout today's passage, we see all of these different people, right? We see all the principal members of the passage, all these different groups of people. Uh, they place their trust in each other. Uh, we have Abimelech. He's trusting in his own abilities and his own strength. We have Zebu, uh, the governor of Shechem. He's trusting in Abimelech as well. We have the people of God also trusting themselves to this foreigner and also these foreign idols and also, you know, refusing to remember God. You see all of these different people placing their trust in one another. Uh, but when we actually see this, that's where we see their sin, their greatest flaw. You know, in their desire to be more free, they actually turn their freedom not over to themselves, but to others. In their desire to rule themselves, they actually place their lives in the hands of very evil and very wicked men. You know, in our lives, we might not have an Abimelech. We might not have a Zebul. We might not even have literal idols like the idols that the Israelites worshipped. But when we choose to live according to the world, when we choose to live according to myself and only for myself, in essence, we're making the same mistake that all of today's uh, people in today's passage are making as well. And what if I asked you today, right? Just think about it. Just grab a little moment here. What are your priorities in life? What is the greatest motivating factor in your life right now? How would you answer that? You know, someone asked me that, I would probably answer, you know, oh, for me, it'd be my family. Uh, I have my wife. I have my two beautiful daughters. Or maybe it's my job, right, as a pastor who's uh, working for the church. You know, others out, you guys might have similar answers. You know, family, you're driven by wealth, success, your job, or you're driven by your health, which is very important, especially these days. Uh, you're driven, perhaps, or motivated by the relationships that you have in your lives, or the hobbies that you have, or your investments, or, or anything. It could be anything. It could be even me nothing, which in itself could be a little revealing about your life. And all of these answers that we could give in, you know, to this one simple question, they are important, right? You know, I will never say that my wife and my two daughters are not important. I will never say that I should never have an influence in my life. But the next question that I want to ask you is, where does your relationship with God, where is that on your list? 
not talking about reading scripture, not talking about spending hours in prayer, but just the pure motivation in your life, right? Where does that lie? Where is your relationship with God? Where does that lie on that list? If you're speaking honestly, is it third? Is it second? Is it 50th? Is it even on the list that you can make? Well, today's passage is telling us that if that is not your first thing on your list, then it might as well not be on this list. That you can't ever compromise your relationship, your faith in God for anything else in this world. That nothing in this world, no matter how amazing or great it is, should ever be on top of your relationship with God. That the moment that Abimelech aligned himself with himself and his strength and acted alone was the moment that we should know that judgment was coming his way. And even in today's passage, it appears that he is winning, right? Uh, We see his governor, they're beating back these forces. He's winning these small battles as well. Nevertheless, we can be assured that God's justice will prevail, that there will be judgment on him. Now, as we look at today's passage, as we continue to look at the book of Judges, let's allow scripture to reflect our own lives back to us. Let us remember who God is. Let us remember his desire is for us. Let us remember his amazing love for us that calls every one of us to him. But let us also be able to respond to all of that with our love, our devotion, our praise, and our worship of him as well. Let us let go of all that binds us to this world, even the seemingly good things, and let us place our faith in only our good Father, today and every day of our lives. We see at the end of today's passage, uh, Abimelech, he's attempting to enact his own justice. Uh, We actually read in verse 45, All that day, Abimelech pressed his attack against the city until he had captured it and killed its people. Then he destroyed the city and scattered salt over it. Uh, It's a great victory, perhaps, for Abimelech. But little did he know that this would actually lead to the end of his life and the fulfillment of Jotham's curse. Once again, we're reminded, even though it does not appear so, that God is in control. That God is in control of the good, the bad, the mundane, all of it. So therefore, let us place our trust, our faith in him, and live every day, every moment, as a response to this truth. Let us all pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you once again for giving us today's passage and giving us your word. Uh, Lord, there are times in our lives where we want uh, to to just uh, be in control, that we want to do whatever that we want to do. We want to live by our own ambitions, live by our own desires, and we want to delude ourselves into thinking that there are parts of our lives that we have total control. We pray, Lord Father God, that we are able to turn away from that, uh, turn away from that desire, uh, and just turn away from anything in this world, Lord. And instead, let's all be able to turn back to you, Lord. If there's any part of our lives where we are deluding ourselves, let us right now, in this moment, be aware of it and surrender that part of our lives back to you, Lord. Lord, we want to just confess that you are in control, that you are in control of our lives, that we place our trust and faith in you, and we will rely on you for everything, the small, the big, and everything in between. Let us never forget who you are, and let us never forget who we are in relation to you. 
Lord, we thank you once again for your amazing love, and we pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah.